Jennifer Kennedy, the lead for quality at CHAP, and welcome to this month's CHAPcast. I have the pleasure today to talk with my good friend, Kathleen Kerr. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing? Hey, Jennifer. I'm good. Well, can you go ahead and tell us uh, a little bit about yourself or actually tell our CHAPcast listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm a healthcare consultant uh, based in California. The my group, uh, Transforming Care Partners, uh, we work with um, a wide range of organizations with an interest in all things having to do with aging and serious illness care, um, philanthropies, uh, community-based providers, health systems, payers. Um, a big interest in helping to. Uh, create sustainable quality programs to get this care that's so needed out to as many people as possible in a way that allows for it to be of benefit to the patients and families uh, that we're delivering it to. Um, I've been in this field uh, in one form or another since um, 1999. Wow. So, for, yeah, for a long time. So I've had the pleasure of, of seeing things shift from wouldn't home ba uh, hospital based palliative care be neat? And then, yeah. gosh, it seems like we really need some outpatient services, too. And then, good grief, shouldn't we be delivering this in the home? And, uh, you know, just sort of uh, watching that evolution happen, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat moments uh, along that continuum. Uh, so, so that's a little bit about me and, and what we do at TCP and uh, what our interests are. Well, you know, you are my go-to palliative care person. And, you know, it's been a privilege to work with you, particularly in the last year, we've teamed up on a couple of projects. But when I think about community-based palliative care, I automatically think Kathleen Kerr. So uh. Kathleen, <laughs> what's happening in community-based palliative care right now? So much. Um, the the, the um, events or the trends that are kind of capturing my attention are um, continued scaling of community-based palliative care, um, getting that, that service available in, to more patients in more regions of the country. Um, another big trend is, is really an increasing focus on getting palliative care to Medicaid enrollees. Right, you know, California's right. had a, a mandate since 2018 that the Medi-Cal, that's our Medicaid uh, managed care plans, mm -hmm. must create access to palliative care, and it's largely home-based palliative care, to eligible Medicaid enrollees. So it's been, we're into year five of that. But they're working on a similar, I think even more expansive benefit in Hawaii. I think in the last six months, spoken to folks from, you know, I think four states that are sort of moving in oh, that same great. direction. Yeah, I think it's in this time when there's not a federal program, when mm -hmm. CMS or CMMI doesn't have uh, a benefit for Medicare enrollees, uh, there's a recognition that there's, um, you know, a leverage point at the state level and the state level healthcare has to do with, um, you know, Medicaid. So really pleased to see that. And, you know, as a sort of a consequence of this increasingly accessible, more payers of different stripes interested in it, it's really surfaced just even more. These questions have always been there, but even more questions and uncertainties about, you know, well, what services need to be provided to which patients 
and mm -hmm. by whom, who should be delivering those services. And then how do you assess that? How do you determine if the care is impactful or of quality? And when you look at sort of the landscape nationally, or quite frankly, even within a specific region, you see a ton of variation in those core elements that right. kind of make up a service. The what is provided by whom, to whom, how is it measured, how is it paid for? So we see scaling, interest in scaling more. Um, and then once you decide to scale, those questions about, well, what do you scale come up? And th th that's really where a lot of my attention is focused right now. So that drives me crazy. The, the variation drives me crazy as a person, you know, entrenched in standards of care and trying to get like care uh, uh, to uh, everyone who needs it. So how do you, how should providers and payers really address and look at those questions and uncertainties that are have cropped up, as you mentioned? Yeah, you know, uh, I think everybody's trying different things. Um, and, and, you know, that's a really big conversation. I think that one of the most useful points to keep in mind, what to, what to hold as the North Star, is the triple aim. You know, yeah. there's a reason why it's hung around for a while and why so many people have, in, so many entities have embraced it. It's, you know, the simultaneous pursuit of uh, better health outcomes, improved patient experience, and lower per capita costs. And if you keep those three things all together in your mind as what you're striving for, that can really give you some uh, good guidance about how to answer those questions about what to deliver to whom. Uh, so, so keeping that top of mind, I, th I think is truly helpful. So I love outcomes. And um, what you mentioned um, with the triple aim are outcomes, but don't we need at this point um, in palliative care, some kind of structure or processes to move things forward. Yeah, agreement on those. That's right. You know, outcomes are the product of structures and processes. And that's another, you know, long, long known fact that um, we really need to wrestle with. And I think a lot of folks are wrestling with with palliative care. Um, we recently wrapped up a demonstration project in California that uh, included four payers for health insurance plans and 11 providers, where we were uh, looking at what happens when you uh, implement contracts that are based on some minimum standards for palliative care. Uh, and those were developed by the Coalition for Compassionate Care of California. They're called the California Consensus Standards for Community-Based Palliative Care. Sort of held the, use those in the demonstration project. Also the standards for Medi-Cal palliative care that I talked about. And looked at the experience of providers and payers. If you start from these standards, to what extent does that help you in reducing variation? Uh, to, to what extent does that make it easier to deliver quality, sustainable palliative care? And, and you know, the big lesson that came out of that, uh, which is a little bit of a duh, but it's, it was actually kind of, um, uh, it was good for me to, to see and remember, is that when you have solid standards, you know, a good set of principles about what should be offered, and you make good implementation choices, how you operationalize those standards, that's what gives you positive outcomes. Uh, you know, this this demonstration project, we saw, you know, a ton of variation still in how people interpreted the minimum standards. And then also in the um, 
in the extent to which they went beyond the minimums, you know, and so there's there was expected and unexpected variation. And it really boiled down to even if you're starting from a minimum set of standards, which do create a good outline for delivering quality care to the right population, you still have a ton of, 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 of leeway in, in what you do. Now, this absence of standards, uh, you know, what I think motivated the Coalition for Compassionate Care of California in partnership with Blue Shield of California, with support from the California Healthcare Foundation to develop these standards and then also sort of do it a, do a demonstration project to see what happens is what when you implement them is just the incredible negative effects of not having standards, not having nationally agreed to standards. You know, yeah, there's yeah. a federal, you know, set of definitions that says this is what hospice care is. Uh, this is what home health care is. And many private payers take their cue from what's going on, what CMS asks for. There's none of that for palliative care. And the, the resulting uh, negative consequences certainly touch patients and families. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what palliative care is. They don't know if the care that they're getting is good. It's hard for them to find it. It's really hard on palliative care providers because the entities that pay for their services um, may or may not know what is reasonable to expect from them. It also means that just about anybody can say they're delivering palliative care and there's no standard to hold them up to to say, well, actually, no, you're not. It would be as if you only offered the volunteer component of hospice care, but then said you're delivering hospice. That's not full hospice care, but you have no protection against that in palliative care. And it means that folks that are offering a component of palliative care, which might be helpful, but is kind of insufficient given that what the national guidelines say we should be striving for, they could charge a whole lot less and then undercut those that are offering, you know, a more, more robust in intervention that's aligned with um, a national consensus guidelines. Uh, not having standards is really hard on payers. They don't know what to write into their contracts. They don't know what to use as a starting point when they're looking to deliver more and better service to, to their members. And it's also really hard on the other treating clinicians who might refer their patients to palliative care or how they might react when they hear that one of their patients is getting palliative care. It could mean one thing if one entity delivers it, another thing if another does, they might have an early bad experience with somebody who's delivering um, you know, just a small part of palliative care, they may not see the value. So this absence of, a, of an agreed upon starting point, a degree of minimum standards is really harmful to just about everybody who's involved in that sort of you know, healthcare ecosystem. And, and, you know, what you're looking for in standards or what was existed in the California standards and what exists in the Medi-Cal palliative care benefit, what they're building out for, for Hawaii and in other places, and what some, some payers already have in place is, you know, a definition of the population. Who right. at least should be getting these services? And, you know, how can we tell that this is the right, the right patient who might benefit? What are those services? What are the minimum elements that need to be there that you want to make sure are delivered? Uh, which providers should be able to deliver this care? What sort of training should they have? How do we know that they're competent? And what are the measures that we should use to determine if, if this care is having the, the hope for impact? And then finally, the standards, as they do with hospice, as they do with home health, as offered through Medicare, there needs to be some language about payment model. 
um, you know, you don't use traditional fee for service to pay for hospice. It's an entirely separate benefit. And for palliative care, of course, we know that with the, um, the, the hope that this care is being delivered by an interdisciplinary team, some, some, and some important members of that team do not have the ability to bill for their services. And so you need um, an alternative payment model and a structure that allows for delivering longitudinal team-based care in the home over time. Traditional fee-for-service isn't going to do that, so you need some standards that, that define that as well. So I think this, you know, getting to the point where we have national standards or getting more um, regions or states or big payers to develop standards uh, or a coalition of folks to agree on standards sounds like a really important next step uh, in, in helping us to get at the triple aim. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and when we're talking about standards, you know, there are um, there are a few uh, organizations out there like us, like CHAP, who've developed standards um, to certify uh, community-based palliative uh, care providers. But how do we know if the standards and the implementation choices are good or the right ones? Yeah, that's a really good, uh, it's a really good question. Um, you know, this, the, the implementation part of, of that equation of good standards plus good implementation choices equals good outcomes, the standards tend to tell you what is required and the implementation choices dictate the how. You know, right. so for example, your standards may say you have to have an interdisciplinary team, but your implementation choices, whether it's the preferences of the payer or the practices of the provider, that says, well, which disciplines of that team focus on which aspects of care how frequently do they visit patients? Are they allowed to use phone encounters and video encounters? Or does it have to be in person? All of those implementation choices contribute to um, your, your, your outcome. It's, and it's the complement to the standards. You know, whether or not they're good implementation choices, or, and even if they're good standards, I think it's useful to, to go at it from, to use two tests. Okay. And, and the first one is really balance. Uh, um, and it's, it's this idea that the scope of the services that you're providing, which dictates a certain cost of care delivery, that needs to be balanced with the amount of payment that you're receiving as a provider. You can offer the world, but if you're only getting paid for a continent, then you're not going to have a sustainable program. Yeah. So you need to balance cost of care delivery with the amount of payment that you're receiving. And then the amount of payment that you're receiving uh, which is the cost for the payer, that needs to be justified by the outcomes that are achieved. So if the, the payer is, is, is spending a ton of money, think of a very generous payment, they're going to want to see some very good outcomes to justify that. That seems um, fair. I, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if any one of those gets out of whack, if your cost of care delivery exceeds payment, or if payment exceeds cost of care delivery or isn't justified by the outcomes, once you get that misalignment, you're not going to have quality and you're not going to have um, uh, you're not going to have sustainability. And so thinking about balance, that's a really good uh, you know, starting point in deciding if your standards and your implementation choices are good. The next one, you know, this is another um, you know, long held set of um, principles, but I really think thinking about steep. The, the IOM framework for mm -hmm. quality as you're 
thinking about how you're operationalizing a set of standards can be really helpful in deciding, are you offering quality? So steep, safe, timely, effective, efficient, equitable, patient-centered really aligns well with what we're trying to do in palliative care. And you can see how those principles align with implementation choices. So safe, do you have the, the right team members to effectively contribute to, say, medication management if there's opioids involved? Uh, timely, you know, do you have a reliable uh, access to information about what patients need and the workflows that are flexible enough that allow you to respond to those needs quickly? Um, effective? Are you using evidence-based care? Um, are, you know, for example, standardized assessments at the time of a, a initial enrollment and then in an ongoing way? Um, efficient? Uh, are you having everybody practicing at the top of their license? And then also, do you have a flexible approach? Are you allowed to deliver more care to folks who need it then and then titrate down when they stabilize? Are you able to be efficient in your care delivery? Um, equitable? Do you have intentional efforts to make sure that the entirety of the population that you could serve is represented in the patients that you do serve? And then patient-centered, you know, that's a, um, that is at the heart of, of palliative care, of course. I think this comes up very frequently in, are you gathering patient-reported outcomes? You know, have you figured out how to get feedback from those people that you're serving, that their experience is what you want it to be? And then are you responding to those findings, adjusting the uh, your, your implementation choices or even your standards in your contract so that you can do a better job, job with that across the different populations that you're serving? So, and then once you adjust things to align with STEEP, you need to go back and, and look at balance. Did we set the balance off? by changing the way that we do things to get at these six elements of quality. So using those two uh, set of criteria together, I think can really serve as uh, you know, a good way of highlighting the extent to which you're offering quality care. I love the application of that IOM framework because we really don't have, as you mentioned, we don't have a definition, we don't have federal regulations uh, for uh, palliative care. So applying this kind of a framework at least shapes that quality program or quality uh, approach uh, to palliative care for a provider. I, and I love that, Kathleen. So Not my to, idea, yeah, <laughs> well, but I'm, I'm you, very you pleased to use it. Better, though. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's important uh, in, in the absence of standardization. So if I were yeah. to ask you, what's one thing that a provider could do to improve quality, um, what, what would be your response? <laughs> Yeah, you know, in addition to those sorts of two sort of touch points that we just talked about, um, I, I think something that, that we hear a lot about now, and it's just so important for us to do, is really to put some focused attention on equity. And, and yeah. you know, this idea of are you delivering care, the same standard of quality to folks regardless of socioeconomic status or race or ethnicity or gender, et cetera, um, and I, I think a great starting point about that is, do you know, have you looked at this? And so I think every provider uh, and plan also or a payer has the opportunity to, to first consider their current practices and their ability to gather data 
about the race and ethnicity and other characteristics of the population that they're, that's currently getting community-based palliative care. So that's 1A. And, and 1B would be, okay, if you have those data and they're reasonably reliable, how does the distribution of race and ethnicity and other characteristics of the patients that you're serving, how does that line up with the demographics in the population overall that, that, that you could serve? So are you doing a great job for your white patients, but you're not enrolling any people of color, you know, right. for example. Just knowing that is the starting point for starting to figure out the equity of the care that you're providing. And it's something that, that those, are, those are tasks that I think are within reach of just about any organization. Yeah, I can't agree with you more because I, I really have a great interest and focus on um, health equity, given all of the information that's been uh, made available by CMS. And um, speaking of the IOM, the IOM put something out last year uh, as updating the chasm to quality, which came out like something like 2000. But yeah. their white paper that was produced last year identified health equity as the future uh, qual healthcare quality issue. So yeah. Um, thank you for, for wrapping that in. So Kathleen, I, I see that we're at end of time. Do you have any last pearls of wisdom to offer our listeners today? <laughs> Uh, no, I think that's as much wisdom as I have. Um, uh, you know, I think that's plenty for folks to think about, you know, just to, you know, revisit some of the concepts that we talked about, you know, positive outcomes, good outcomes come from a good model, good standards and good implementation choices and good implementation choices can be uh, that your implementation choices can be assessed by thinking about balance and then also thinking about the extent to which you're achieving steep. In, in, your, uh, in the way that you're delivering care. So keeping those ideas in mind, I think will be really um, useful to folks who have an interest in improving the sustainability and quality of the care that they're delivering. I can't agree more. Thanks so much, Kathleen, for uh, joining CHAP today uh, to present this really important information about community-based palliative care. And thanks to all of you out there in podcast land for taking time out of your day to plug into our chat cast. And hopefully you are taking away uh, at least one kernel of wisdom from today's discussion. <laughs>